Hello, and thank you for listening to episode 30 of the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast. We are the podcast for people who care about coffee. I'm Brian Bikey, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Brian Sheely. What's up, buddy? Not a lot, man. We've got a exciting guest on the show with us today. It's been a long time coming, even, even actually before we were part of the podcast. Right. Alex has had this set up for a long time, so I'll just jump right into it. He is a Portland-based entrepreneur, coffee enthusiast through and through, a lover of both design and function. We have Mark Helwig. So uh, he's he's been the back of some amazing things in coffee from Clive Coffee, uh, the Luca line of espresso machines, and uh, probably most recently, you guys might know him as the name behind the Ratio 8 Brewer. Mark, great having you on the show with us. Thank you, guys. It's great to talk to you. It's great talking with you as well. Mark, you've got, uh, you've got quite uh, uh, an array of, of topics that we can get into. But first, what we normally do on this podcast, if you don't mind me going ahead and putting you... Uh, you know, out there first, we like to talk about what we've been brewing. So I will turn it to you and ask you what you've been brewing. Yeah, so I'm pretty lucky in that I have just a regular supply of coffee that's coming in uh, to both Clive and Ratio. So uh, I don't even need to think about it. I just have a nice variety coming in. Um, what showed up today was Finlandia by Roseline. And so that's what I brewed today, and boy, I uh, I have to say, Roseline is so consistent and so just right up my alley for what I like in coffee, so I don't know, I've probably gotten a little lazy the last couple of weeks, um, pretty spoiled with, with their offering, um, but it's I brewed it at home uh, on, on my own ratio, of course, and uh, it's just balanced and sweet uh they say it has concord grape i believe them uh i don't i don't think i have a particularly great palate so uh i just really enjoyed the heck out of it was that you don't have a particularly particularly grape palate or a particularly oh, great palate did there uh no i don't i don't think i have a super sensitive palate i w- really wish i did but sure um you know when i read some flavor notes i'm like ah i'm not picking that up but you know brian Sheely. yeah what have you been drinking, sir? So um, it's kind of funny because I got uh, I, I was hearing a few of my friends talking about this amazing Ecuador, and um, I didn't even you know really think to actually go out and order it, but uh, I ordered a bag of um, a Kenya from Square One, and one of my buddies there actually decided to send me a sample of the Ecuador that they were all raving about. And then at the same time, uh, Cole McBride from Publicus in Las Vegas also sent me a roast that he was doing of uh, of the same exact Ecuador from the same lot. So I ended up getting two of these Ecuadors at the same time. It's the uh, Ecuador Juan Pena, and it's a it's a washed uh, Tipica variety, and it is ridiculously good. Um, so far, I've only brewed the Square One version. I haven't gotten to the uh, to the Publicus one, but man, it's super juicy. And tropical fruit, uh, really floral, kind of all throughout it, kind of perfumey. And then just like a really prominent red berry, like almost like strawberry uh, acidity. I'm, I'm digging it. It's, I've so far, I've only brewed it a, a few times on the V60, but definitely, uh, definitely a good one that I'm kind of excited to bring to the office because I know a lot, of, a lot of the people in our office are interested in floral 
floral coffees, like heavy, heavily perfumey coffees. So anyway, uh, Brian, what are you, what are you doing? So it was just today too, that I got it in, but I did a coffee swap with, uh, I, I think I talked about it on the last podcast, but, yep. uh, with our friend, Nate Woodrow and, uh, with some holiday coffees. So he had sent over Olympia's newest holiday blend. So I tried it last year. I think it was one of, if it wasn't the top, it was like the second, my favorite of the holiday coffees I was able to try last year. So I got it in. I wanted to try it a couple of ways and it is awesome. So it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a really deep coffee. So there's a lot of intensity kind of right away from, you know, apple crisp to cranberry and a little bit of spice. It's got a lot of dark fruits and it's really juicy. But then underneath, you kind of get a little bit of berry, a little bit of floral. Like I feel like there's probably a natural component in there a little bit. But then as it opens, it grows sweeter, but it also is kind of tangy. And they just kind of bounce back and forth this like um, orange citrus family cranberry with you know some sweeter fruits so it sounds like it fits right into the holidays yeah it's it's a perfect holiday coffee i i think a lot of people would be would be pleased with it because it's it's got a really big mouthfeel like uh kind of velvety or it just really i don't know cuz I, I, it's weighty but it's not mm. too heavy if that makes sense yeah uh so it's how, been really nice how were you brewing it i brewed it on the <laughs> ratio <laughs> Yeah, so that's, a, that's also a, an exciting component to this whole episode, um, which we'll get into. But so you have a ratio? I do have a ratio. I temporarily have a ratio. I as well. <laughs> ha- oh, I was going to say, have you ever played on a ratio? Before? I have, yes. It's uh, definitely something we're going to get into in just a bit. Right. Um, speaking of this, the coffee swap, though, um, we last episode, we talked about sharing coffee, swapping coffee. Um, and I feel like we had some really good, or at least I had some really good one-on-one conversations with some people after that episode. Um, you know, anytime you talk about sharing coffee or having more coffee than you know what to do with, you know, and, and sending it to people, you get kind of folks coming your way and asking you if you want to swap coffee with them. So I actually did, uh, three coffee swaps, uh, right after that episode, um, and so that was kind of cool just to have some folks reach out and to send some coffee around. I got a, a bag of coffee from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, from a roaster called Little Amps that I'd never heard of before. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool. Definitely a, a, a neat uh, byproduct of that kind of an episode. Mark, you ever you ever share coffee with someone with all the coffee you get in for either Clive or Ratio? And just say, hey, man, check out this awesome coffee. These guys are doing it right. I, I do, um, but oh, my employees, man, they just they walk out with so much coffee. It's just kind of crazy. <laughs> you should you should fire them all and hire us. Okay. okay, I have to tell you guys a deep dark secret of mine, and I am I am hugely embarrassed about this, and I'm totally serious though. Um, I so often run out of coffee at home, and my kids wake up literally every morning at six a.m. and there are very few shops open that early. And I'm kind of embarrassed because I'm in my pajamas. So I get in my car and I drive through the Starbucks drive-thru. Oh, man. That's okay, dude. What do you get? You know, um, 
I either get Pike or I get black tea. Okay. And I, it's just, I don't know why I should, I shouldn't feel so embarrassed about it, but I just am that. <laughs> I, why am I out of coffee? This is crazy. But it happens yep. to me probably more often than I like to admit. I think, you know what? I think there might be a deeper secret. I think your employees do this because they know you do that. And they, <laughs> they're trying to see how long they can keep you doing it. So I think the best way to kind of get into this, we've got a lot of things we can unravel. So let's just peel back a little bit. And Mark, we'll just ask, you know, whether it be in or out of coffee, just kind of a little bit about your backstory and how it leads up to where we are today. Yeah. So, um... I actually first got into, uh, I think, the idea of coffee and, and the routine of coffee when I was in, in high school. And I would, I would, I grew up kind of out in the outskirts of, of Portland, and I would drive my car into the city and go to Torre Fazioni and get, like, a cappuccino, bring a book, and, like, sit down, and that was my time of, of getting out. Um... And that was uh, something that I would do, I think, pretty often. Um, it, but it wasn't until I was in college when I fell in love with, I think, the true flavor of coffee, what it can be um, in that dimension. And that that was starting, I think, around the time when uh, Stumptown started to... Um, I think their second location on Belmont is the one I went to. Um, I get the dollar cup of French press every every morning, um, so it just sort of started getting into into coffee. But I didn't have a career in coffee. I was never a roaster, barista, uh, any any sort of coffee professional. Um, but i I got into I got into Clive by um, first doing e commerce for snowboarding and wakeboarding gear, and that was for my brother's company. Um, and I just kind of ended up thinking about coffee equipment by going online to buy an espresso machine for my brother's company and just thinking, you know, wow, these websites, you know, they're all, they're all a mess and there's like 300 brands and most of the products are plasticky and not very attractive. And, uh, so that, I just kind of had that, that reaction to that buying experience and I didn't really do anything with it for a while. Um, until, uh, I, my, my brother's company was, was headed towards a sale. And so I had to decide if I was going to get another job or start a company. And, uh, two of my friends at the time had started, um, Nosa Familia coffee here in Portland. And I was meeting with them and I'm meeting with some other friends. I just kind of pulled a couple of ideas together and I was like, huh, I wonder if I could, take a stab at making a website that was a little better, incrementally better than the other websites that I had, that I had seen. So that was my first, um, entrance into coffee as a, as a job, something more than just something I would, you know, enjoy. Um, so can I just stop yeah, you right there and yeah. say that Clive is one of, I, I'm hands down one of my favorite resources, um, for, anything related to espresso machines, grinders, you know, anything like that is tampers, tamp, anything. <laughs> I mean, anything like espresso related or, or coffee related for like in terms of, you know, stepping up your game at home. I love, and I'm not, I'm not just trying to be a fanboy here, but I've been using, that's kind of how I got, you know, my first experience with what you guys were up to was with your website. 
And uh, I find it to be an incredibly useful resource for people, uh, even because I get people all the time asking me, like, well, you know, what's the best machine for for this price range? Or I'm looking for a dual boiler machine, or I'm looking for a machine that does this or that. And, like, there's no way I could ever go and play with enough equipment out there (laughs) to be able to give an informed answer. And so actually having a place where people are, are really sitting down, you know, putting machines through their through their paces, comparing them, contrasting them, at least just like running down and giving you all the options is is incredibly useful. So, good job with well, <laughs> good job with Clive. I I've, I've that. really enjoyed it. Thank you. So, what was the train what you go into Clive, right? You're you're starting up this website for basically to improve an e-commerce experience with espresso machines and grinders and things. What what got you to sort of taking the next step, which would, I guess, be the Luca. Is that right? Um, you know, what actually happened is um, it, I started, I opened up the website September of 2008. And if you'll, re- if you'll remember, uh, Lehman Brothers collapsed October 2008. It was like a mm. super terrifying time uh, to open up a, a, a business. And it just so happened, it was just serendipitous um, that, Cook's Illustrated magazine reviewed coffee makers, and they said we reviewed you know the Krups, the Cuisinart, the KitchenAid, and they're all they're all basically not worth buying if you're not going to get the Technivorm stick with the French press. And it just so happened that that was the only drip coffee maker I had on my website. It was the only one I I could find that was worth buying that, that, that I thought. And um, they happened they happened to concur, and of course they had actually had readership. So I mean yeah. my my sales went tenfold in November from what they were in October from that one, um, that one article. And if that, if that article hadn't come out, I probably wouldn't have had enough lift to keep, to keep going. Um, so it really was crazy good timing. Um, and then, and not, not that I intended that it just happened, you know? Yeah. Um, and then 2009, um, ended up selling a lot of Technomorms. It was really, it was really actually quite nice. And I was like, ah, oh, this isn't so bad. <laughs> and then uh, 2010, uh, some of the some of the national companies, you know, Technoworm came across across their transom, and so they added it. And um, William Sonoma, that kind of thing. And and uh, our our sales volume dropped pretty dramatically. And so I got to understand pretty firsthand how how difficult it can be to compete with with some of the national retailers. Same thing happened to us a little later um, with with some of the other brands like, um, you know, um, Bonavita. We were early with that brand and we sold a lot. And then Amazon starts selling it direct. And then it's just it's just the way markets work. You know, it's fine. But it's just not very fun when you're, when you're a small, niche retailer and you're kind of stuck in between um, national, well-known, quality quality focused retailers like William Sonoma or the, the box movers, you know? Right. And so that exposed, uh, kind of a weakness in our business model. And, um, that was really the impetus for the, for the ratio project. So I started working on the ratio idea. Um, I didn't have a name for it. That full credit for that goes to Keith Gerke from Able Brewing. Um, but I, I had the, I had the idea for it, but not any idea, how to pull it off or how to pay for it or whether it was even a good idea. Um, and that took a couple of years for that to kind of, um, 
come together into a, a viable plan. Um, Luca came about from um, basically we had a two-part strategy to um, not being over over reliant on just a couple of brands or a couple of product lines. So after after everything happened with Technoworm and everything else, I was like, all right, we have to we have to go further into espresso machines. So we added um, we you know added more and more lines to our to our lineup. We opened up the showroom as a pop-up store, kind of a test, like would people come to a, to a store for, for, a, um, for an espresso machine? Actually, what truly gave me the idea for it was people would find us online and then Google our address and then show up and knock on our door. <laughs> and we'd end up showing them like a Sylvia, uh, like, yeah, on our shipping table, you know? So the the pop up store was just kind of a way to test if there would be enough people that would may, maybe support a store. Um, and then Luca came about just from you know year after year of selling these brands and just being a little frustrated with just some of the tweaks or some of the little design flourishes, let's call it that, that that some of the Italian brands would put on their machines. Just like ah, you know, Comic Sans font on the buttons and. It's like this, like really kind of like plasticky texture, and well, this little button don't need that, you know. Just nothing, nothing transformative. Just, just little tweaks that to make it uh, modern and and fetching. So that was the the Luca project was me going to Italy a couple times and saying, you know, I know I'm small, I'm just a little company on, on the West Coast, but here's my website, here are the videos we've done, this is me, um, I love your company, I love your products, would you do something special uh, for me? And it took took a couple of trips to Italy, which I guess someone has to do it, you know? Um, but, uh, you <laughs> know... If I have to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I struck the deals in uh, in 2013, and, and now we're, we're um, closing out our full, first full year of having the Luca line. Um, and it's been... It's been very well received. I'm I'm very um, I'm very content, I guess, with with the customer response to to the Luca line, and we're we're just getting started. I mean, we have we have a lot of ambition um, for what we want to want to do with really um, really serving the the home market, kind of in between, say like what you can what you could do with a Breville double boiler or Ranchilla Silvia or that kind of machine, and then you know all the wonderful things that Lumberzoko and Slayer are doing just that right. spot in between. So, so I kind of want to break down a little bit with um, coffee and design, and how these are they kind of merge together. So, and you've kind of hinted at a little bit with you know just the e-commerce aspect and just the way that it browsed. What kind of catches your eye, or has it always kind of been a thing of you? Just whether it be style or whether it be like what is it about design? of things that that is so important to you Mm, yeah you know it's i think it's easy to get a little um maybe twee a little precious about it and you know it's it's there's something spiritual about it you know we're just we're just making coffee um but i just find that um there's if you're going to be doing something frequently in your life and if it's something that is important to you you know you're you're starting your day with coffee or you're making coffee with friends after brunch or you're making coffee after dinner or you know you're going out with some friends and you're doing an offsite and you're making coffee you know 
coffee just tends to be one of those things that you you're you're doing something that matters usually um, when you're having coffee. So um, I just I just find the the amount of coffee equipment out there uh, it's it's a little it's a little overwhelming and there's just such a proliferation of coffee equipment and that is not I don't think that's bad because there are many different people and many different budgets and you know there's a coffee maker out there for everybody so I just for for me and how I think about design you know I, I like I like the tools to reflect um I guess what's possible in coffee and so coffee well made and coffee well prepared and served um can be something that's you know quite quite nice and and worth carving out a little slice of your day uh, around so I just want the tools that I have to be to be beautiful and to have a certain heft to them I, I like I look for I look for a a um a combination uh, juxtaposition of like machined metal and perf like perf perfect surfaces and very clean sharp angles and then that matched with uh, materials that are more organic and soft and and uh, imperfect even you know I, I I love the 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 way that you know both the Japanese and the Italians have this concept you know where something is it's like perfect but it's like there's one part of it that's not perfect sprezzatura. Um, so that's just how I, how, what, that's what I look for when I, when I, whether it's, I'm looking for, you know, a camera or, um, a pen for my desk, or I'm looking for a backpack for when I travel to Asia or whatever it is. I just, that's the kind of thing that I'm looking for for myself. So I just, you know, that's what I bring to, to the products that I'm developing is that, that kind of approach. Um, it's, it's not groundbreaking and there's a lot of people doing it. It's just, um, that's, that's how I, that's how I, what I'm trying to do for coffee. Um, you know, it, we, we've all seen the, the, the closet full of coffee brewing implements and, you know, there's something kind of endearing about that desire we all have to add to our collection, you know, but I just, I just prefer to have a small number of of tools that I use and I want them to be really well built. I want them to get better with age and I don't like I don't like messing around with complicated you know programming menus and I don't like just just futzing around with stuff. I just want to kind of get into it and do it. Um so yeah, that's that's my approach and I've built I've built the Luca brand and the Ratio brand more or less with slightly slightly different um, focuses and and approaches, but that's kind of the overarching philosophy that I that I approach coffee equipment with. There's an article on uh, Imbibe where you mentioned things that you do in your quiet time, and this is kind of a little even summarizes kind of what you were just mentioning though. Uh, but you were talking about various, if I can call them hobbies, but things that you do. And they each require just a few simple tools. So if they're designed well, function followed by form, these tools begin to form a ritual of preparation that you look forward to, maybe even as much as the final result that you get from, you know, mm. the tools that you're using. So I want to talk about the ratio specifically here, uh, for, you know, for a bit. I think anyone who's listening probably, you know, has a ritual 
or they're growing a ritual to brew coffee better at home or brew better coffee at home. Mm. So I know that personally I've used the automatic brewer at the office for a while. This was uh, the Wilfa. Sorry, but that's what I, I mm. have at the office. And um, But with that, I see the, the purpose for having something that provides uh, great quality of coffee that – you know, some of us might see is something that can only be done when you manually brew, right? <laughs> right. There's this weird, there's this weird thing right now where, you know, that's happening. Um, but you, there are brewers out there now that provide this quality with better time management. Mm. So you're not having to sit behind a kettle or you're not having to watch it all the time, or, you know, you're not having to, to perfect a, a poor technique or something like that. All that to say, the talk about ratio, you know, is a machine like this for the home user? Is it meant to replace the rituals? Is it meant to be more consistent than the rituals or to be a direction to turn as a streamline when their rituals might need something streamlined? I mean, I, I think in different contexts and for different people, it can be, it could be any of those things. Um, it's definitely not intended to replace a routine. Um, it's not intended to replace pour over i mean pour over is is a beautiful thing it's 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 a uh it's something that i respect a lot and when i go out for coffee i'll often order the pour over knowing if, if it's a shop that i know can can do it right you know so um it's not meant to replace it it's meant to it's meant to offer a a beautiful and consistent um way of making coffee you know when you need to make more coffee when you when you need to make the same, this, you know, the same coffee repeatedly, a lot of people struggle with the variables of coffee. And if you're, if you're introducing all the variables that go into coffee, and there's, the, you know, the temperature, temperature, the time, and the the doses, and and all that, you know, if if you can just teach someone um, the the basics, you know, a, a coffee maker can be very unassuming and not and not um, it's not at all uh, intimidating. Um, so when, when, when we set out, it wasn't to make a robot that does pour over. It was to make a beautiful drip coffee maker. It's an established category. There's lots of drip coffee makers and the more of them are coming out. Um, we just wanted to make a stand for a particular design that would just brew, brew one hell of a good 40 ounces of coffee and do it very reliably. It's interesting because um, in preparation for this episode, in, in full disclosure, I, I think we've already talked about it, but Brian and I both uh, got demo ratios, which has been in incredibly fun to play with. And big, huge thank you to sending those uh, out to us. <laughs> um, but it's been fun actually to, you know, right off the bat, you pull you pull the ratio out of the box, and you just you're aware immediately of the build quality, like you were talking about. I mean, it's, it's a product with heft, you know, it's beautiful. Just even the unboxing process is, is it's different. I mean, it's in my mind, it's like opening up an, an Apple product. You know, you, you kind of get this sense that it's, things are all carefully thought out. It's not like stuff thrown in the box and, you know, everything is, everything right. is carefully considered and, and really well done and presented and you pull it out and you set it out on your, on your counter and I had the opportunity this weekend to have a house full of people and everybody that I had coming through my kitchen, they all know that I'm a coffee guy. And uh, so everybody was really interested in this machine. Like, what is this? 
what is this machine? People were like touching it, and, <laughs> you know, looking, looking around, you know, at it and things. And, you know, immediately, like every time somebody picked up the, the water, um, the, the little water cover and felt how heavy that was, they were like, wow, that's a machine. <laughs> you know? it, like they didn't even see it brew. They hadn't even seen it like actually running, but they, they could just tell like from looking at it and touching it that it was something special. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, boy, it took it took us long enough, right? <laughs> it, uh, it's uh, I, yeah. I I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've re- received or you know bought a test unit or something to think about selling it, and then you you just open it up. You're like, oh, I thought that was chrome. That's actually chromed plastic, or I thought that was wood, and that's actually you know printed wood on plastic or something like right. that. So, you know, from the beginning, the 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 idea was to to do everything honestly. And if we're going to offer something that looks like wood, it's going to be wood. And if we're going to offer something that looks like metal and should be metal, it is metal and it's machined metal. And, and we, we hire really, really talented engineers to make sure all of those angles, all those interactions are, are, um, just really optimal. Um, we don't use the word perfect because nothing can be truly perfect, but we use the word optimal. And, um, you know, we, we also try to think through what's it going to be like to own this thing for a long time. So five years in, eight years in, what's it going to be like to own it? And is it serviceable? So we have a whole, whole team that's, that's, uh, you know, they deal with rebuilds and warranties and, and then thinking through improvements to the, the future, future product line. Um, and there's, there's a reason why you can't just put any old carafe um, in the in the ratio eight, you know, a lot of coffee makers use a little button that that the craft pushes against, and then it's safe to deliver hot water into the craft. Um, and we've seen we I've dealt with enough warranties over the years from all the other brands we 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 sell that I've I've seen how that little button five years in or three years in or whatever that button gets sticky, and then that's just an irritation. You're like, why is it? Why is that button sticking? That's super annoying. Um, so we set about trying to think a way of a way to to not dump 1.25 liters of hot water in someone's counter, um, <laughs> but not having a button that's going to fail and get sticky down the line. So um, there's a there's a small magnet that's built into the base of the the ratio carafe, and that's the, the machine senses the magnet and then you know turns on the to, to brew. So. Um, I mean, we still have, we still have a long ways to go and we certainly have not, like I said, nothing is perfect, but, um, I think, I think the product is, I think the product is what we said it was, it was when we first announced it and got all the emails asking about it and trying to explain what it is and what it's not, you know, we, we actually had to pull back quite a bit from the original ambition of what the ratio eight um, would be. I initially had a thermal carafe as the f- as like the first, you know, the first carafe was a thermal carafe. But we had to keep paring back our ambition as we um, as we went through the design and development process. Um, but I, I was really adamant that we would ship what we said we would. So that took I don't know at least fourteen months longer than initially planned. Um, but th- I think the end result. I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's a really good coffee maker. What's interesting, I think, about the machine and using it is just, you know, when I'm, when I when I make a pour over, I feel like I am limited 
either being with how much my kettle holds and keeping that all hot, mm. right? So even if I'm using a, a, a – if I'm doing a full batch of a Chemex or something, by the time I get from whatever temperature, the, the starting temp and the bottom temp, they're not going to be the same unless I'm bouncing between kettles or something, right? It's not going <laughs> right. to be consistent because the, the less I have, temperature drops, right? And then also I find a lot of times if I'm doing um, certain brews – it gets really, at least me, and maybe I didn't dial everything in all the way. I get really thick brews. I don't get things that are really representative of, like, a nice V60 or mm. uh, something like that. So one thing that I find really impressive, like, with this machine is that I can brew 28, 32, 36, 40 ounces of coffee, and it tastes the same way that I would want a coffee taste if I made a little... 12 ounce v60 right mm. it's juicy it's clean you get you get all the articulation that that you would want in a in a cup of coffee you know if it's a complex coffee or whatever or if it's a more rich coffee you just get a solid coffee without you know it you know my my previous experience was you know with bun coffee makers that you either put crap coffee in there and it turns really dark but it's under extracted anyway <laughs> it's just dark coffee or I put good coffee in and it tastes okay for a little bit, but it's still under extracted and then it just falls off. Mm. Right. So I appreciate having a machine that gives just a quality big, big batch of coffee. And mm. it's fast. Um, that's one of the things that I noticed. And, and obviously in my experience on Sunday, when we had a house full of people over, I brewed five batches back to back for everybody. And it was, you know, we had, I think I was probably at a liter per. And, uh, I mean, you just fill the fill the machine up, and there's no, like, heat up time. Yeah. What is it that gets it to get to that temperature of water? Because the machine's not always on. You don't have a boiler, right? Just always right. keeping the water hot. It's just it's real, It's just high wattage. It's just all it it's is. Just... It's 1,650 watts, give or take. And uh... So it's just chugging through as it's pumping pumping in right heating up yeah as it's pumping through yeah exactly and it's it's uh it doesn't use it doesn't use a pump to move the water it's just it's just the thermal properties of water as you heat it it has to go somewhere so it goes up um and we chose that design um because we wanted something that would be long lasting and being from the espresso machine side of things we know what types of things to expect with pumps so we wanted something that just would year after year you Add water to that heat. Add power to the heating element, and it just boils the water, sends it up and over. There you go. What are some other things that set the ratio apart from other things that might be competitors in this kind of market, or if we don't want to say competitors, other machines in this market? But the other question to that, which you could lump into your answers, what like what sort of Easter eggs do we see? Like, is there something mm. about it that you wouldn't know unless someone like you on a podcast, you know, lets us know about what the machine's doing. So you're asking me why Lumberzoco took the automatic, the Chemex automatic out of their showroom and put the ratio in its place. Is that what you want me to elaborate oh, on? I that? mean, you know, yes, <laughs> okay. I am. Cool. I can do that. Oh, um, so, you know, like I said, coffee makers are a well-established category. So, you either do something um, really groundbreaking and maybe zanny and 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 do tackle it that way, or you just look at how it's 
how many of the companies before you have to have solved problems and then see how you can add a little additional value to, to the customer, right? So, so when we were initially um, designing the ratio, we, we were, we were trying to think of like, what are the, th what are like three, three main ap appeals that would draw someone to a coffee maker that would make them say, I want to buy this. And then once they own it, not just, uh, they got me, I bought it, but I like this. I'm, I'm happy to own this thing. You know, that's our goal. So the, the three words that we had on a, on our whiteboard pretty much for 18 months were um, beauty, quality, and coffee. And we wanted to hold each of those in equal tension. So not designing just a pretty coffee maker that didn't brew good coffee, not overemphasizing, you know, made in America rugged and, and then turning out with like a, like a industrial looking and rough coffee maker. And then not, not o over overthinking the coffee brewing and introducing a lot of different variables and inputs to make it really sciency just to do that but to keep those those kind of intentions so that the coffee maker was was good to look at it had it would have an a kind of iconic shape a, a design language that you would recognize when you saw it um the quality you know not just not just using um quality materials but but how the parts are designed, how they're engineered to interact with, the, with each other. Is the machine serviceable? So we have a 10-year warranty. That's kind of crazy for a home coffee maker. Yeah, I saw that as soon as I took it out of the box. I thought, my goodness. Yeah, my, my, uh, some of my advisors and my lawyer were like, are you sure you want to do 10 years? You know, And uh, I don't know, maybe, it's, maybe it is crazy, but... Um, we just we spent a lot of effort on the quality of the engineering the parts so that you know when a part does break down, which inevitably happens with with anything, um, it's serviceable. So the whole thing can be reclaimed and rebuilt, and you're not throwing away a disposable appliance. So and then on the coffee side, um, you know we I took I took maybe the six or seven hundred reviews that I had received from selling coffee makers over the years and I did personal interviews with people and I just wanted to round out and kind of validate my own assumptions about coffee makers and what people liked about it and what they didn't like and you know I can tell you that I don't like when there are 17 individual plastic parts on, on, on something that all come off you know and and like I said when something looks chrome but it's actually plastic um, complicated programming menus, um, just s stuff that doesn't need to be there. We just narrowed in on what we thought were the most critical features that would deliver the most impact for the least amount of work for the user to do. That meant having to decide uh, the trade-off of temperature variability with, um, is it should we go that route and let the user dial in the temperature for different types of coffees? which would not lend itself to the design we have, which is the heating element, you know, like I said, boils the water, sends it up and over. Do we go to a, to a version that that um, asks the user to dial in bloom time and temperature and, you know, this kind of thing? Or do we just sort of set a, set a, user, a user path, if you will, um, that's intended to make good coffee for most most roasted coffees and most people um just a consistent uh consistent batch of coffee so 
that let that led us to um, choose a configuration that had just one temperature setting. It le- it it led us to have a bloom time that's roughly double the amount of water for the amount of coffee that most people put in. It led us to a brewing profile that changes roughly every five ounces of water that you add will change the the brewing profile. And it led us to use glass in the in the supply line, and then the the stainless steel shower head and, the, and a glass carafe, so not brewing in hot plastic, basically. It led us to a Chemex filter or the Able Cone, two of our you know preferred filter methods. And I think that covers it. But basically, like, could we could we design a coffee maker that would that would pre wet the coffee, give it a nice bloom time? that would respond to various amounts of water automatically without the user having to program something and then narrow down the options so that using it, you could still mess it up. You could still put in bad coffee or the wrong grind size or too much coffee or too little coffee. Um, But just kind of narrow the options so that for most people, it's very repeatable and they're, they look forward to making coffee. I feel like that's a huge trade-off. I mean, the people that I talk to, obviously a lot of the listeners to this podcast are going to be big coffee nerds who, you know, want to tinker. They want to, they want, they want that control, all the stuff that you basically said that the ratio doesn't give you. Like a lot of our listeners are probably like, I want to know, you know, I want to be able to dial in how much of the bloom time is and what the temperature is and all this stuff. Um, But there's something really satisfying in, you know, recommending a product or telling somebody about a product that's simple and you know kind of takes a lot of that guesswork out of the picture for them because i can't imagine like i cannot imagine giving my you know my grandma a machine for her (laughs) for her house and being like okay grandma you you need to make sure that your bloom time (laughs) is you know like right these are things that that we as nerds never think about like we always want the control um but if you're making a product that is going to be used by a, a massive quantity of people, yeah. potentially, um, you know, simplifying some of those things is good, and and maybe kind of gets us back to remembering that sometimes we overcomplicate things. Yeah, I I, I think that's I think that's well said. Um, the the other the other thing is um, so just two responses to that. One is we the the ratio eight is just it's just our first coffee maker. So if I was designing a coffee maker for, um, you know, someone with a small kitchen, someone who, who likes to, ex, you know, optimize and experiment and probably uh, learn from other people and how they're brewing coffee, uh, the Ratio 8 really doesn't offer much for that. It's, it's big. It's, um, it's big. It's heavy. It doesn't have variation for that. It's the biggest batch size is 40 ounces. That's, that's a lot of coffee. Um, so, you know, we will, we will tackle solutions for, for other types of, of coffee brewers the the, the power user, the, the, the tinkerer that really likes to optimize, um, may, may have use for a ratio eight. It's really wasn't intended to, though, to be, you know, to solve a lot of their problems. Um, mm-hmm. so that's something that I'd like to tackle down the line. And then the other, the other side that we haven't really tackled yet is, is the grinding side. So we're, we're relying on people to grind coffee, at, you know, at the right the right grind setting, and then put in the right amount of coffee and all of that. So 
that's something that is on our on our roadmap to 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 get into. There's some exciting innovation on the grinder side of things, not from us, that's coming out soon. Um, so I'm excited to see more and more innovation on that side of it. Um, yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tackle it with our own with our own approach. Um, we're, I'm not gonna set up a grinder company. We're gonna it'll be a collaboration. But um, yeah, I think I think the grinder is certainly one of those things that's easy to under invest in. Uh, that's a common. That's a common uh, discussion, you know, in the coffee industry, of course. Talking about, you know, possible future or whatever stuff with Ratio Line, there are some new things in the works through Ratio that are up on Kickstarter right now. Yes? So yes. we're talking about the Thermal Carafe and the Conical Dripper. Yes. Right? Yes. So go into those a little bit. Yeah. So like I said, the uh, we had a, a Thermal Carafe in mind when we first set out to design the ratio and um it was one of those products that uh that or one one part of it that my engineer my engineering team which is basically two people and me and my industrial designer we all kind of underestimated what went into a thermal craft so we almost had we had some shapes that then became forms and we had some uh some renderings for these crafts that were just like yeah it's amazing yeah of course we're gonna do that and then, and then you, we we get into it, and we talk to the the factories that actually make the double wall stainless steel doers, and they're like, "Ah, uh, yeah, no, that's impossible." Um, <laughs> so we had to like st- we had to step we had to hit a couple of brick walls, and we're like, "All right, let's 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 do glass for now, and we'll we'll tackle thermal later." So we finally had some um, some some uh, some space to tackle the thermal carafe um, after the ratio eight was already designed and, and already in prototyping and, and in pre-production. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's a thermal craft. It's just, it's nothing, it's nothing new about what it is. Um, but we had to, we had to spend a lot of effort to get it to fit within the design language of the ratio eight. And if you hold up the, the thermal craft with, with the, with the porcelain, uh, cone on top of it, and then put a our glass craft right behind it it's the same it's the same profile um and that was not it was a non-trivial uh goal to, to have that um as part of it because there was there are the space constraints of the thermal craft plus the cone has has to fit in the same space you have to you know put it in the coffee maker with a with a filter and coffee in it kind of negotiate it into 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 its little place you have to take it back out when there's coffee in the carafe and wet grounds in the filter. Um, the the water can't drop too you know too far into the into the brewing bed. Um, and there are constraints with the amount of space between each wall of the doer. Otherwise, the thermal the thermal capacity is or the thermal um, characteristics are diminished. Uh, and then there's the fact that most thermal crafts are topped and you know the, the top and the spout and everything is just injection molded plastic so if you want to do that that's easy they do it all, all the time but it's just it's like ah big big black plastic handle and spout on the ratio it's just like no that does it's not not quite it so we had to we basically had to go to the thermal craft people and say 
We love what you're doing for the doers. Will you please make us a doer? But we're actually going to go to a different factory for the lid um, piece because we don't want to use plastic for it. So we we had to find um, we had to find a manufacturing technique that would work. We ended up with investment cast stainless steel, which is the same way they make golf club heads. Um, and so you can get these really, you know, complicated shapes and very fine detail. You can have, um, you, you, you can get kind of the crispness that you would have with a post-machined metal piece without it being post-machined. And you can bead blast it, you know, um, have a polished finish, that kind of thing. So anyway, um, we had to sort of set up our own supply chain and then f negotiate all of that so that it could all come together and then also solve the problem of the ceramic metallic coating on the Ratio 8 is done here in Portland. Um, it's, uh, it's actually, it's the, the process is quite expensive and time-consuming. So we have to ship raw parts here to be coated with the ceramic coating and then assembled by our team, you know, screwing on the top and adding the, the magnet and the base to it and all that. Um, so anyway, all I had to say... It took us uh, at least 18 months to design the thermal craft. Um, and meanwhile, we've been shipping ratios all this year. And people are like, I love the crap out of my ratio eight. I hear that all the time. And they're like, but the coffee is, you know, gets cold fast. So sure. that was our solution for it. Yeah. It's really interesting that you've created this potential, you know, option for people even looking to, to do just pour over. Yeah. Uh, with, which I find to be really awesome. Like, was that kind of an, an unintentional consequence of doing this? Or or did you guys think through that as you were sort of, like, as, as a possible option for people just, just approaching it for pour over? Right. Um, it, it was kind of a, it was kind of a side note. Um, but as we, as we got into it, we really were like, yeah, let's, let's make this, let's make this a really nice thermal pour over set, um, all by itself. Um, and, you know, there there are some really, you know, beautiful analog brewing sets and equipment out there already. I mean, you know, Kalita and Hario, and there's all kinds of Scandinavian designs out there that are that are really, really quite quite beautiful. So uh, we kind of just saw more opportunity on the automated space, and that's why we have spent most of our effort on that. Um, and you, I really don't see ratio becoming very big in the in the manual brewing space. Um, sure. but I think it makes sense to have kind of a, a lineup where we go from more simple, um, up to, uh, more, more, more automated and, and complex. Hey, Brian, these thermal crafts sound like they'd be great for a couple of people who, whose name might be Brian for their <laughs> office coffee solutions. Seriously. Have you I, been thinking about that? I, I've been thinking about that. I'm, I'm thinking about it right now. We have, uh... Uh, my my friends at uh, Good Coffee here in Portland, um, when they saw it, they were like, "Okay, can we have like eight of those for our cafe?" It's like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. yes, that's awesome." Yeah. So why did why did you decide to go? This this is kind of an interesting development that you know you obviously came out with the ratio eight without going to Kickstarter. Why did you decide to go to Kickstarter? No. That's a that's a good question. Uh, it was kind of a it's kind of an experiment, I guess. We we. We were thinking that it it would um, potentially just expose us to a, a bigger audience of people that are looking for new products, and there have been some 
some good and some bad coffee um, Kickstarter projects. So we thought that yeah. there there might be enough of an audience on Kickstarter that they would like um, like that it's a kind of a multi multi use um, thermal device, and it it's great for tea as well. Kickstarter and coffee has, is a mixed bag. I mean, there are, there have been some really incredible companies that have gone through Kickstarter very successfully um, and were able to ship on time. But, I mean, by and large, coffee on Kickstarter is is kind of a hot mess. Yeah. To the point now where, I mean, I'm, I'm even seeing people on Twitter really saying, like, they'll never support another coffee-related Kickstarter. But, you know, with a company like you guys you're going to make this anyway. So, I mean, right. this is not, this is not like, you know, you guys are begging for money so that you can even just get started. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're going to make this thing. Right. I think Kickstarter is a wonderful thing, but I think that, I think that it's, it's, it kind of encourages, it can encourage, I should say, people to keep adding to their, their offer, adding to their, their feature set. And it's, I would just think anyone who is considering it, um, just from my from my experience, really trim back your your ambition to to what's 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 gonna solve a customer's problem, what's gonna delight them, but just <laughs> pull it back a little bit, and then ships yeah. and then ship something. All right, guys, uh, we've loved having Mark on. We would love to you know interact with you guys about what your all's opinion might be on automated brewers or advantage or disadvantages how it might be able to tie into your life um what about the state of coffee and design you know what are your thoughts on coffee and design and rituals all the kind of things that we talked about today um and you know it, uh, maybe other questions for mark maybe we can get him to kind of chime in and and uh, you know maybe he'll respond to you guys too we use hashtag ibmoc talk uh, that's the way that we can talk across the social media platforms and see what you guys have to say in regards to the episodes and everything. And uh, if there's anything you have to say about previous episodes, whether it be the coffee swap or anything like that, you know, feel free to always uh, use that hashtag and message something, and we'll try and respond and talk back as soon as we can. Mark, normally we throw it over to you to do the plugs, but if you want me to do the plugs, I can go down. I don't want to put you on the spot because you have like a hundred of them, but um, <laughs> normally I'll just say, Mark, if people want to know a little bit more about uh, ratio, you know, how can we find you? That's what we'll say. If you want to go into all that, is that, are you comfortable with that? Yeah, it's, it's really simple. We're just at ratio coffee on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And then we're at Clive coffee on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So really basic. Um, we use the hashtag Bloom Brew Ready, and we are just really excited to hear from hear from our customers and from future customers and just people who like coffee and like design. Um, so we really appreciate the coffee community and love to connect with you guys out there. Mark, we really appreciate you being on the show. You guys, it's been it's been a real pleasure. Thanks everybody for listening. We are on Instagram at I Brew My Own Coffee. We're on Twitter at Brew My Own Coffee. You can visit us on our website at ibrewmyowncoffee.com uh, slash the episode number. So this would be slash 30. If you want to get in contact us via email, click the contact us link at the top of the page. If you haven't uh, reviewed our podcast on iTunes, please go ahead and do that. Uh, in the iTunes store, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And until, uh, until next episode, uh, Bloom Brew ready, everybody. Bloom Brew ready.
stay warm. <laughs>